If you have a Bible, Matthew chapter 11 is uh, my text today for the sermon. Matthew chapter 11. If you're new to church, you can download a Bible app. Um, it's called Version. It's a great Bible app. I encourage you to download that. Uh, while you're looking that up, Laura and I would love to meet you if you're new. If you're brand new or you came on the arm of a friend, uh, we'd just like to say hi. And we're going to be at starting point right after the service. It's right out by the front doors. Just look for the signs. If you came on the arm of a friend, bring them back just so we can meet you and, and, and say hi to you. Uh, it would just be meaningful to us. So we're in the series called Church Clothes. And, uh, and look around and say, you're not wearing your church clothes. Come on, tell somebody right now, you're not wearing your church clothes. That's not the church clothes that we're accustomed to. Um, in fact, if you're new to church, you're like, dang, so far this place rocks. Like they are, I like the way these people are dressed. Uh, but we've been talking about uh, a new brand of church clothes, that the, the world has this stigma towards the church and it's not who we are. And we're called to put on the character of Christ, clothe ourselves in Christ. And we started this series, if you've not uh, been here for the whole series, go to the podcast, listen to the series, especially if you're a follower of Jesus, all the different things that, that Paul encourages us to be clothed in. So we've been trying to memorize Colossians chapter 3, 12 and 14. So if uh, we're going to put it on the screen, we're going to say it together because we're still working on memorizing this, but this is what it means to be clothed in Christ. So let's, let's say this together. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Okay, now look at that verse, and I want you to pick out the one you need to work on. Which one do you need to work on, okay? Now I want you to turn to somebody, and I want you to tell them, here's what I'm working on, okay? Tell them right now. Just turn to them and say, here's the one I'm working on. This is mine, and this is the one I got to work on. Now, if you know them, it's not fair to go, duh, like I already knew that. <laughs> or, or maybe some of you are going, no, 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 you need to work on this one. <laughs> but let's look at, uh, we're, we're looking at the life of Christ and how Christ lived this out on this earth. And so let's go to Matthew's gospel, because today I want to talk to you about gentleness. I want to talk about a gentle strength. So if you're new to church, Matthew was a disciple of Jesus. And he wrote down these accounts of Jesus' life. And we read this at the end of the chapter. Go down to verse 28. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I will give you rest. And I, that, wow. In other words, are you in the ashes of defeat? Are you so weighed down? In that, he says, I can lift you out of it. This is why we are here. Come on, tell somebody right now. Tell them, say, this is why you are here. This is why you are here. This is why we are here. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble. And here's the word, gentle at heart. You will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear. The burden I give you is light. Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit that is here today. Thank you for this time where we can sing praises to your name. Thank you for this church body. Thank you for every individual that is represented here today. We are here today to encourage one another, to help one another, to support one another. And in these few moments we have to open up your word, would you speak to us? Let's just pray for each other. Let's pray for our own soul. God, speak to me today and 
And if you're not a follower of Jesus, you can pray. You can do that right now. Just pray and God, what do you want to say to me today? And Father, we just thank you that you come now to speak and to help us. And we are grateful for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right, you may be seated. Well, earlier this year, I got a chance to check something off my bucket list that I have waited, frankly, um, my whole life to do. I have been a Raider fan since I was a little boy. Uh, Easy, okay? Um, Heckling is not... Okay. I can just hear the murmuring. So I know I'm in hostile country, and I, and I appreciate that. I know it's, it's, this is hostile towards the, the Raiders, but I've been a Raider fan since I got a little helmet that I had when I was a little kid. I still got it at my house. I love it. And th- this year, I've never been to a Raider regular season game, ever, and I've always wanted to go. And earlier this year, someone came to me, and they said, hey, I've got free tickets if you want to go. I was like, absolutely. And so they gave me a bunch of tickets and said, take whoever you want with you. And it was against the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead State. Can I finish my illustration? Okay. So uh, it was at Arrowhead Stadium. And to be honest with you, I was so stoked as a Raider fan because I'm like, I'm going into enemy territory. This is awesome. And I, if you're a football fan or a sports fan, you know, you just, it just feels good. Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to show them the what to and what for. And I was excited. And, the, and this was the first time, in, if you're not a sports fan, first time in over a decade that the Raiders and the Chiefs had ever been relevant. They were fighting for the division championship. So we were going to go to this game, and whoever won this game was going to win the division championship. And, man, I was so excited to go to this game. So we get to the game, and uh, it was cold. Really cold. It was six degrees. I think it was below zero with the wind chill. It was brutal. We were so dressed up, you couldn't tell who was a Chief fan, who was a Raider fan. In fact, here's a picture that, that we snapped. It was freezing. So that's my son, Jeremiah, and uh, that's Daniel, our, one of our worship leaders, and Eric, one of our worship leaders and, and youth pastor. So uh, that we, all, we all went together. And um, man, it was just so much fun to be there. And then it came down to really one pivotal play that changed the whole momentum of the game. The, the Raiders punted the ball, and when they punted the ball, Tyreek Hill, this guy is just super, seriously, let me finish. Um, <laughs> don't get ahead of me. And so uh, he caught it, and he went untouched like 70 yards for a touchdown. The, the place... <laughs> erupted. I mean, I, they told me Arrowhead Stadium was loud. I've never heard it. it. My ears were bleeding. It was so loud. People were just absolutely going berserk, except for this guy. So I'm standing there in that moment, surrounded by a gazillion fans, and they're all going crazy. And this guy that's sitting in front of me the whole game, and he came uh, with his good friends, um, uh, Jim Beam and Jack Daniels. Um, <laughs> I'm not kidding. And, uh, and he turns around and looks at me. Now, I'm wearing all, you don't know what kind of fan I am. Turns around, and he goes to give me a high five. He's like, yeah, like this. And I'm looking at him and going, no. And I'm like, oh, you know what? And I just said, you know what? I'm not going to ruin the moment for him. And so I just went, yeah. And I high-fived him. And I was like, and he's like, whoa. And I'm like, whoa. Now, he didn't know in that moment I was being defiant. Like, yeah, I don't like you. But I was just... 
I let him have his moment. And my son Jeremiah was just cracking up. He just thought it was the funniest thing ever. But meanwhile, on the other side of the stadium was not the same reaction. In fact, it was, it was completely opposite of my reaction. On the other side of the stadium, a brawl broke out. And somebody, of course, this always happens nowadays, somebody caught it on their, their phone. I want to show you part of this brawl that broke out at the stadium on the other side. Check this out. Oh! Oh, man. Now watch this guy. And down he goes. Oh! Oh, my goodness. Wow. So just to clarify, uh, the Raiders won the brawl. So um, we're excited about that. No, I, no idea what that. That's just insane. So I, I want to ask you today, if you're a follower of Jesus, and if you're not a follower of Jesus, you can just play along. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to ask you this question. When, when somebody disagrees with you and they're not on our quote-unquote team, how do you react to them? How do, you, how do you respond to somebody that doesn't have the same views that you have? That's good. But unfortunately, I think we all know people and individuals that don't respond in the right way. We all know fans or Christians who are unfortunately responding in the wrong way. We all know people that are judgmental towards others. We know people that respond with Harsh words with the people that they disagree with. They, they point a finger at them. They're, they're rude, sometimes even uh, obnoxious to them. Now, now, I would don't think it takes anyone to figure this out, but I think I just need to say this. This is not what's going to draw people to Jesus. In fact, actually, I think it creates a greater chasm between those who don't know Jesus and those who do. And what was interesting at the game is the PA announcer came on over the, um, the loudspeaker at the stadium. And I think this was while the brawl was going on or something like that. He gets on the, the PA and he said, Attention, Kansas City Chief fans. Remember, Chief fans, we are the most respectful fans, loving, caring fans, and we respect the other fans that come into our stadium. Meanwhile, a brawl was breaking out, okay? Which is, of course, what I would expect from Kansas City Chief fans. Boom, back at you. Okay, so was waiting for that moment. Okay, so, so how do you react? How should we react? Well, Paul, I think Paul gets on the PA announcer uh, sound system, so to speak, with the Colossian church and through the word, and he, and he says to this, I, I want you to, be, to clothe yourselves with gentleness. So he's shouting this out through the word of God, but yet in the meantime, people are being rude, obnoxious, holier than thou, judgmental, and pointing fingers. This is not who we are. And this is not what Christ expects of us. And I, I think we have, I think we have an incredible opportunity. In fact, I would say we have a responsibility to show the world the true character of Christ, that Christ, who has a, a gentle strength about him, and this is what he wants us to share with the world. So I'd like for you to write this down, because here's what I want to talk about for a few minutes. Simple statement, but, but write this down. Be gentle, not judgmental. 
Be gentle, not judgmental. Be gentle, not judgmental. Say that with me. Be gentle, not judgmental. Okay, now turn to three people and tell them, be gentle, not judgmental. In fact, tell them this, be gentle to me. Be gentle with me. Be gentle with me. Be gentle, not judgmental. So, so what does it look like to display a gentle strength? Let's look at Matthew chapter 11. Go back to that. And, and verse 28. Then Jesus said, and let's say these three words together. Jesus said what? Come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Now, this is completely opposite from what the people were hearing from the Pharisees and the religious leaders of their day. In fact, the Pharisees and the religious leaders, many of them, not all of them, but many of them had a get-away-from-me attitude. You don't have to look far in the Gospels to see they're like, whoa, we don't associate with those people. And they would push them away, and they would be rude, and they would be obnoxious, and they'd be self-righteous. In fact, the word Pharisee actually means to separate. That's not what God intended when he's told them to separate themselves, but they took it to this extreme of, no, we're going to push people away. So Jesus shows up, and Jesus, this is interesting, Jesus, if you're new to church, Jesus um, was never rude or coarse with unbelievers, you look through all, all the Gospels, and he never, ever had a um, judgmental or confrontational attitude towards somebody that wasn't a follower of Jesus. <laughs> but, but towards the religious leaders, oh, he would let them have it. And so he does, in Luke's Gospel, I'll give you a picture of what he said one time to the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders. He calls them out in Luke eleven forty six. He says this, you crush people with unbearable religious demands. You never lift a finger to ease the burden. And this was true. This was what was happening in this time period. The people uh, would go to the temple or they would go to the synagogue, the the church, if you would, uh, of their day. And they would go there because they were beaten down by life and they were struggling no different than you and I. They had family problems, job problems, money problems. They were no different than us. And so they would go to the church in, in that day for encouragement, for strength. And instead they were getting beaten down. They were getting crushed under an unbearable religious demand. So, so people, they, did, they didn't view the temple, the synagogue, the, the church of their day. They didn't view it as a place where they would go to, to find hope. They didn't see it as a place where, man, I'm, my soul is crushed and I, I need healing for my soul. I'm going to go to the temple. No. Man, if they wanted peace, they didn't look towards the temple or or the synagogue, or the church of their day. But then along comes Jesus, shows up on the scene, and he kind of flips it, and he says this, hey, no, 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 don't get away from me. Come to me. In fact, if you're weary and, and you're carrying some, some heavy burdens, like, come to me, you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna find rest. And so they did. So the... the the rumors and the, and the talk began to ripple out and spread out among the villages. They were like, hey, hey, there's this rabbi, there's this teacher, and he's different than the, than the ones. You, listen, I went to the synagogue the other day, and it wasn't like it's been for the last decade. I mean, this guy, I went, and, and I was beaten down, and I'm, man, I'm, I'm encouraged now, and he gave me hope, and, and you're not going to believe, I, man, I took my, my sister, and she needed healing, and he, he healed her. And so this rippled out 
to the community, then they began to see, oh, I can go to, I can go back to the synagogue, I can go back to the temple, I can go back to the church, and, and somebody there is, is going to encourage me, and somebody there is going to ease my burden. This is who Jesus was. Jesus stood in grace. The, the, the religious people, they stood in judgment, but Jesus stood in grace. He had this gentle strength about him. And this is what Jesus calls us to do, right? He calls us to be people of grace, to be people that would respond in such a way that we would be gentle and not judgmental. I, I really think that what's happening today is really not a lot different than what was happening 2,000 years ago. It's different now. It wasn't like this um, three decades ago when I was like, I was like seven. Um, and some of you, you know, I mean, it's not hard to see. I'm pretty young. Uh, and so, but like three decades ago, if somebody was hurting, like if somebody was hurting, they, 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 could, they could go to the church. They, they just knew it. They were like, I mean, it was just weird. Like, they just knew, like, oh, I'm, I'm struggling in my marriage, or my family's upside down, or I don't know what I'm going to do about my job. And they just, they're frustrated, they're broken, and they're, they're confused about life. And they go, I, I know where to go. I'm going to go to the church. We got to wake up, because it ain't like that anymore. If you think people are just going to wander into the house of God, you're mistaken. That's not going to happen anymore. It's a different world. Turn to somebody, tell them, it's a different world. It's a different world. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, you've, you, you faced it on your campus at school. You faced it at the workplace. You faced it on the ball field. You, you, you know what, what that is like. And, and it's maybe not as bad here in Jesus Disneyland as it is on the east and west coast and other parts of the country. But it is a wave that is going to crash on our shore, and we got to be ready for it. Because people today don't look to the church for hope and healing and peace and purpose. Like they, they look at the church as this place that's like judgmental, this place that's just going to tell me how awful I am. It's just going to point a finger at me. You got to be perfect to go there. I know those people, they are no different than these religious leaders. They have this condemning spirit. And I, I just think what's going to draw people back to the church is grace and not judgment. Amen. Grace and not judgment. It's very clear through Scripture, we are not to judge those who are far from God. We have no place to judge those who are far from God. Judgment has no place on our lips or our heart. That judgment belongs to God Almighty. We are to be people who extend His grace. And when we extend His grace, that's the extension of gentleness. The only way we can extend grace is to be gentle. I think a definition for grace would be a gentle strength. We're to be those people. I, what, I, what I love is I, I think that's who we are at Core Church. Like, I, I, I love preaching this kind of stuff because it's not hard to get amens. Like, I, I know that if I preach this in some congregations, they'd be like, oh, Lord Jesus, he's talking to me. I need to repent right now. This is awful. I, I'm just squirming right now, squirming. I'm just, uh, I, he's talking to you, I think. I don't think he's talking to me. Okay. <laughs> but what I love, I'm just telling you, what I, this is why I love this church. Because we are a come-to-me kind of church. Like, we're a place where you got, if you are weary, if you are burdened, we're like, come on in. This place is for you. That's who we are. 
We're an oasis. I, I, this word oasis has come to my mind. I was having a conversation with, I don't remember who it was this week, and we were talking about this, and this word oasis came to me, and I thought, that's the church. This is who we are. <laughs> just think, just for a moment, just, just, for, just for a moment, just sit in it. Just sit in the oasis. Just think about where you are right now. Think about where you are. All the struggles, all the pain, all the burdens, the weariness. But I am sitting in an oasis. I'm sitting in a place where people love me, where I can get support. People are going to encourage me, where my shoulders are going to be lifted and, and not pushed down. I, I, I really think as followers of Jesus, we should be the very first people that others look to for hope and healing and peace and purpose. Like, we should immediately. It's not that way, but we've got to make it that way again. That where the world says, uh, man, I don't know, I know what to do. I got a friend, and they know Jesus. This is the kind of church that we are. I think a great example of this is our Sunday morning uh, prayer team. At the end of every service, they are right here across the front of the auditorium. And every week, I watch people. I watch you. And you're weary. Life's got you beat down a little bit. It might be something you're carrying, or it might be something that's in your family, or maybe it's a coworker or, or somebody on your campus that you know they're just having a really, really difficult time. You're like, man, I need to go pray for them. And you come, and your shoulders are just kind of slumped, and you just kind of come up. But what I know is you come to this prayer team, and, and, and they listen. They listen to you. And not only do they listen to you, but then they, then they pray for you. If you've never had our prayer team pray for you, they're, there's not, they're just regular men and women empowered by the Holy Spirit. But when they pray, the Holy Spirit comes down and speaks through them and provides hope and healing to the soul like nothing you can experience. Those of you who've had our prayer team pray for you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Now I see it every week. Come down, your shoulders are slumped, and then you pray, and they pray for you. You turn, and man, I see shoulders come up. I see strength. I see people full of hope. I see people that were just upside down, and now they've got peace because the power of God has infused them with the Holy Spirit. That's who we are. But listen, it's not just a Sunday morning thing. It's an everyday thing. It's not just a prayer team thing. It's an everyone in the game thing. So here's the, here's the question. If you're a follower of Jesus, here's the question I want to ask you. Are, are you the person that people come to when they're weary and they're carrying a heavy burden and they're looking for rest for their soul? Do they think about you? Do they, do they come to you? We got to do some soul searching because if they're not coming to you, something is wrong. They got to come to us, not just to the prayer team, not just to the preacher. They got to come to all of us. We got to go into the world. We got to spread this hope. We got to show this hope. We got to be gentle people. We got to show a gentle strength to people. When your spouse is struggling, do, do they look to you? Do they come to you and ask you, will you pray for me? I'm just having a really rough day. Your kids, when they're struggling, whether they're 4, 14, or 40, when they're struggling, 
Do they come to daddy? Men, do they, do they come to you? Do your kids come to you? Dad, I'm struggling. I don't know what to do. If they're not, you got to do some soul searching. You got to do some soul searching, man. If, if, if your kids aren't coming to you, something's wrong. If you carry the banner of being a follower of Jesus, you got to have that kind of soul, that kind of gentleness about you, a gentle strength that your kids know, I can go to dad. Mom, do your kids come to you? Mom, do they come to you? Do they run to you? Do they, do they look to you? Mom, will you help me? Do we, when you go to work, do people walk into your office and say, um, hey, can I close the door? I, I just need to talk to you for a minute. It's going through some stuff. Your neighbor, does your, does your, neighbor, does your neighbor see you? And does your neighbor go, hey, 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 um, you got a second? Could I, 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 know, you, I know you're busy. Could, you got a second? Because I, I knew I could come to you. I didn't know where else to go, but I, I, I knew I could come to you. Are you that kind of person? Because because then when you when you do that, you you give the world a different picture of what it truly means to be a follower of Jesus. Because this is who Jesus was. He he had this gentle strength about him that, that people were were drawn to. Look at verse twenty eight. He says this. Let's say these, these words together. These first words that are underlined. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find what? Rest for your souls. See, the rabbis and the, 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 fair, the, uh, the, the, rabbis and the prophets uh, of the Bible, they would often use a yoke as an illustration. And they would take this yoke and they would actually put it on to represent burdens that people found themselves under. And they, they would wear this around and they would talk about the burdens that we come under in our, in our life. And so they would use this as an illustration. In fact, one time, uh, Jeremiah, the prophet, he walked through the town and he put this yoke on and he was trying to tell the people that they were going to come under, uh, come under oppression and be enslaved by the Babylonians. And, and, and there was gonna be this great oppression that was gonna come upon them. So my, my question to you today is what... what what yoke are you under? What's got you burdened? What's, what's got you down and what's got you, you struggling? James, come up here. I want you to help me with something. Because when we have this, this yoke on us, we, one, one, one of two or three things happen to us. What, what happens is, like, you put this on. So what happens is somebody comes to you and they're, and they're, they're, they're weighted down by life. And, and they're struggling with something in life. Have you ever had somebody do this to you? Like you're coming and you're weighted down and you're just going to be a little bit vulnerable. And you're like, all right. And so you, you tell them what the problem is and then they go, oh, you think you got problems. Oh, let me tell you about my problems. And they make it all about themselves. Oh, man. Like the, la the last couple months, I... I've been struggling with, no, don't go nowhere. You ain't done yet. You ain't done yet. You cannot heckle me as a Kansas City Chief fan and walk off. I ain't done with you yet. 
the last few months I've been dealing with kidney stones and, and my daughter Sky graduated on Monday night and right in the middle of graduation, boom, I got hit with another one and I had to go to the emergency room again. And over the course of this last few months, I mean, you want to talk about a yoke. I've been, I've been actually wearing the yoke more like this. This is what my, <laughs> my yoke looks like. This is the, uh, it's a hot new fashion statement, by the way. It's the, new, it's the newest belt. It's called a yoke belt. You know, the rope belt was the 90s. This is the new one. This is the hipster belt. Anyway, so, maybe not. Okay. But I, 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 would, I would be vulnerable and I would, you know, tell somebody. I'd be like, yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, it's really... It's, it's hurting bad. And they go, oh, you think you've had it rough. Oh, my week, let me tell you about my week. And they, and I'd be like, really? Seriously? Like, unless you're dying, you are not in more pain than I am. Okay, I mean, it just, but have you ever been that way? Where you share it and they make it all about themselves. Here's another one we do is you, you come and you share your burden and, you, and you're vulnerable and you, and you say, this is what, what I need. And what, what happens is sometimes we can be so caught up in our own burden that we don't see the burdens around us. We're just weighted down. I'm, I, all I can think about and all I can see is my burden and what I'm struggling with. And I can't see any of the burdens around me because I'm so consumed with mine. Here's, a, here's another thing we do is we have, we are under a burden and a weight. And, 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 and let's, say, let's, let's say this. So, and I know this has never happened because you got great kids. Your kids are perfect. They're beautiful. They're amazing. But I know every once in a while, maybe, maybe just, just go with me on this. Uh, Amanda has a tough day with the kids, okay? And they're just not doing that well. And you're not even thinking about it. You're not mad at the kids. You're not having a hard time with the kids or whatever. You come home and she's just like, oh, those kids, they're driving me nuts. Oh, and, and you weren't mad at all. And the next thing you know, that yoke has been put on you. You weren't mad at the kids, but now you want to disown them and kick them out of the house. Be gone, you're like, because it gets transferred to you. Or, or, or somebody at work, like you have a, a great job and you love your job and, and it's going well and you go to work, but there's somebody at work and they don't like the job. And they just are so negative about the job and about the boss and about what they're asking you to do and I gotta do this, I gotta do that. And next thing you know, that yoke is transferred to you and you loved your job, but now you wanna quit your job. Or sometimes, none of us ever do this, but we talk about people. We, 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 you have somebody, and you like them. You think they're great people, but this person's like, oh, let me tell you about that person. Let me tell you. Now, don't tell anybody what I, but, but this is what, listen, they always disguise it as a prayer request. Hey, listen, be praying for so-and-so because they're really da-da-da-da-da. And next thing you know, you love that person, you, do, you like that person. Next thing you know, you see them and you're like, oh, that person, oh, I can't believe. And it gets transferred to, to you. On and on and on it goes. Even, even in the church, the church, we can be so legalistic and self-righteous. And we're like, those people. Oh, can you believe those people? And we transfer our yoke of legalism and self-righteousness to other people in the church. You know how I know this is true? This is why the church has the reputation it has. It starts with a few people and it spreads like a plague through the church and suddenly everyone is wearing this yoke of legalism. So Jesus, 
Jesus, though, he says what? He says, my yoke is gentle at heart. Gentle at heart. That, that's the yoke we need to give to others. But here's what's going to happen. You're going to give the yoke that you're under. Whatever yoke you're under, that's the yoke you're going to give out. If you're under a yoke of bitterness, you're going to give out a yoke of bitterness. If you're under a yoke of jealousy or unforgiveness, you're going to give out a yoke of jealousy or unforgiveness. If you're under the yoke of legalism or self-righteousness, you're going to give that yoke out. So what we've got to do, though, is lay down our yoke and take up the yoke of Christ. All right, you can go sit down. Give James a hand. We have to lay down our burdens at the foot of the cross and give them to Jesus and take up his yoke because he says this, let me teach you. Let me teach you. See, the yoke that the rabbis and the prophets would use is not only would they talk about it being the burden, but it was also called the yoke of the rabbi. And so the disciples who would follow that rabbi, they would put on the yoke of the rabbi. And what it meant is you'd put on the teachings of that rabbi. So when Jesus here says, let me teach you, he's talking about the yoke, and they all understand what he's talking about. You, you put on the teachings of that rabbi. You, you model after that rabbi. You mimic that rabbi. You, you, you talk like that rabbi. You walk like that rabbi. You dress like that rabbi. You do all of you can to be like that rabbi. Let me ask this, are you like the rabbi Jesus? Are you like Jesus? Have you put on his yoke and are you walking with him in such a way that people would mistake you for him? That's what it means to put on the yoke. To put on the yoke of Christ simply means to put on the character of Christ. To put on a, a different brand of church clothes. Another, another thing they would do is they would talk about it, the, because uh, the yoke because the people in Jesus time period, they understood this because they, what they would do is they would take a, a weaker, um, younger ox, and they would team that ox with a larger and older and more mature ox. And the stronger ox then would pull the younger, weaker ox in the right direction. This is who Jesus is. This is what he does for us. We are the weaker one. And when we yoke ourselves to Christ, what Christ does is he doesn't yank us along. He pulls us along with grace. He pulls us with his grace into a place of rest. In fact, in, in verse 30, let's look at verse 30 here. It says, Jesus is talking. He says, for my yoke is what? Easy to bear. Easy to bear. To bear, and the burden I give you is what? It's light. In other words, through the cross, Jesus did all the heavy lifting. Like through the cross, our burdens have been lifted. Through the cross, we have found rest for our souls. Some people might look upon the cross and think of it as, as, as a symbol of weakness. It's not, it's a symbol of strength. In fact, the word gentleness here, gentleness doesn't mean weakness. The word gentle here that Paul uses in his letter and Jesus uses here, the word gentle means strength under control. It's, it's like um, holding a, a, a newborn baby. When you hold a newborn baby, you have all, all the power. When you're holding that baby, you have to exercise 
gentleness. This is how we have to hold the world, like a newborn baby. We have to be an example like Jesus and recognize and realize that, man, somebody, it might be younger or, or weaker, but that doesn't mean that we use our strength to oppress someone. We come with gentleness. We come with grace to guide them with the grace of Christ into the truth of Christ. We come to them to help them to use our strength for the good of God's glory. The religious leaders didn't do this. They oppressed people. As Jesus said, they, they crushed them under religious demands that they were unbearable to them. But Jesus was a man of gentle strength, come to me. And he encouraged people. So what yoke are you under? Are you under the yoke of Christ? Or is there another yoke? Are you, are you under bitterness and unforgiveness? Because that's the yoke you're going to give the world. Are you under the yoke of doubts? That's the yoke you're going to give to the world. God forbid that any of us would be under the yoke of self-righteousness or legalism or judgmental attitudes. But if you are, that's the yoke you're going to give out to the world. Or are you under the yoke of Christ? Because when you're under the yoke of Christ, you're going to have a gentle strength about you. When you bend, come under the yoke of Christ, those of you who've come under the yoke of Christ and you've allowed him, think about this, those of you who've allowed, you've yoked yourself with Christ and he's guiding you, guiding you by grace into rest. Those of you who've been guided into rest, you can't help but share that with other people. You, you, you're like, I have the hope of Jesus. And, and when you have the hope of Jesus, like when he has raised you from the ashes of defeat and given you life, guess what you give out to the world? You give out life. Like when you found hope, like when you've been restored and you're under the yoke of Christ, you can't help but in the workplace or on that campus or on that ball field, you can't help but give out that yoke to others. When your life was in confusion and chaos and upside down, but, but Jesus came along and his peace overwhelmed you and you put that yoke on, you go to others and you see them with that and you go, here, let me give you a better yoke. Take on the yoke of Christ. When we take on the yoke of Christ, it's gonna be amazing what happens in our world. 